I'm Jacob Birch. Eric Steven is joining me on the phone. Hello. Google Chrome, I guess. So we've taken the last few weeks off. Uh, we were always going to take Memorial Day off. Eric had had a vacation. Uh, but we took the last two Mondays off as well. Uh, we record this podcast as a nice distraction. And we assume you all listen for a distraction as well. Uh, but the last two weeks were not, not the time for a distraction. It would be easy to say we don't talk about politics on this show, and then we just talk about sports and Dodgers and fast food. Um, but this isn't about politics. This is about human decency and respect, both of which have been systematically restricted and denied to black people in this country um, from its very beginning to right now, to right this very second. Any fan of the team that is rightfully proud of its role in Jackie Robinson's story should see the absurdity in trying to keep silent and just sticking to sports. In the last two weeks, without many distractions, including recording the show, I've spent a lot of time reflecting on the bleak reality of our country's attitudes to non-white people and my role both in perpetuating in the past and what my role needs to be to help make a better future where it is obvious that Black Lives Matter. But I also know that uh, reflecting is useless without action um, and without change and without action from that change. Uh, it can feel overwhelming to figure out what you can do to actually change just one person. Uh, but I wanted to pass along a bit of advice that I got to anyone who feels um, similar to me. Uh, do one thing today to make this country more equitable. And then tomorrow, do another. And keep this up for the rest of your life. One thing a day. Donate, protest, phone, email your federal, state, local representatives. If you need more ideas from that, uh, Google is your friend. Uh, I promise you there's going to be a ton of resources that come up, um, especially lately. Uh, but if you also just need uh, help and weren't sure which documents to, to really to really look to, uh, feel free to reach out to me um, at Jacob Birch on Twitter. Probably the best way to do that. And I can pass along some of the ones that I've found and I've been using myself. So we're going we're gonna to go direct to break uh, and then we'll come back. There is some baseball news. Uh, we'll talk about that, uh, all that after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So, yeah, it's it's been a while. There's some baseball news but if you, if you wanted baseball news to be the thing that pick you back up and make you feel good about america again it's it's pastime and uh capitalism are not going to do you any favors uh this there week. was a thing like yeah i was we you know there's no real good way to transition into that but like the last couple of weeks there's been like at various times i've been like very very angry at like just the world and like uh and then you know, everyone, oh, baseball's a distraction or whatever. But I, then the last couple of days, I've been really, really angry at baseball. <laughs> and so uh, it's not much of a distraction right now. But I, I will just echo what you said. I, that was um, just outstanding um, introduction, Jacob. Uh, you know, like you said, we, we took Memorial Day off. And and then I, I, like, I actually forgot we took that off. So, like, it's been four weeks since we recorded. It's a long time to go without a podcast but like you said there, there are like far more you know important things going on in life we, you know we sit there and watch like the killing of george floyd the various like uh, protests that um, stemmed from that and against pr- police brutality and racism like that a lot of that was like really uplifting but at the same time also infuriating like um seeing i don't know like some of the video or a lot of the video was just just terrible like just just terrible violence and like some of it was from um cops who knew they were getting filmed and like still were you know um being brutal to um various people mostly people of color uh just terrible um and that like that was you like you immediately like understood why people are protesting Mm -hmm. um so yeah, like it, we make jokes on this podcast. So like, like it didn't feel right, especially like two weeks ago, and and also last week was more of the same. It didn't feel right for us to come on here and and like you know do our sort of usual lighthearted jokey podcast. We'll probably get some jokes in today, but just know that um, it just didn't feel right, and we wanted to like you know have a good podcast rather than. Uh, I'm sure like, we were also like we probably would have been distracted had we recorded the last couple weeks just from paying attention to all these different things but so like another reason like why we didn't record there really hasn't been much like relative news there, there's been a few there were a few proposals like back and forth but it was mostly the same and then like it all sort of came to a head in the last few days and um, there's there's a lot to get into but like I wanted to sort of before we get into what's currently going on we, we have some probably a little bit of catch up to do just because we've been it's been four weeks since we recorded 
Um, so I wanted to go into that first. Does that does that work for you? Yeah. Okay, so you'll remember our, our very important uh, Major League uh, draft where we drafted like the sort of the equivalent players who would have starred um, a Dodgers version of the movie Major League, just sort of cast-offs who barely played with the team. I believe our requirement was uh, the, the player couldn't have accumulated more than one win above replacement in, in their Dodger career. And uh, uh, one of our outfielders is Jigger Stats, which is one of the greatest names in baseball history. Um, I was reading the book Stealing Home from Eric Nussbaum. Um, uh, great book about the history of uh, Dodger Stadium and how that land uh, came to be used at Dodger Stadium. And it's not as it's not as cut and dry as most think. It's a wonderful book. I reviewed it on the site. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, but there's a passage in the book. I'm just going to read from it. Um, it's about Duke Snyder, who is um, one of the stars uh, for the Dodgers when they came to Los Angeles, and he's from Compton. Uh, but I, this is a passage from the book uh, Stealing Home. Uh, Duke grew into his nickname. He became obsessed with sports, especially baseball. He stayed home from school to sit by the radio and listen to the World Series. He closed his eyes and pictured Yankee Stadium in the Bronx and Ebbets Field in Brooklyn. When his folks could afford it, they took him to Wrigley Field to see the Los Angeles Angels and his favorite player, the speedy center fielder, Jigger Stats. Wonderful. So not only is Jigger Stats on our major league team, he inspired like one of the all-time great Dodgers. So like we we did good. We yep. did good in picking yep. that team. You know who else did good? Who's that? David Price. Yeah, no um, kidding. So <laughs> I, I think I, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I even have it in one of my notes. I knew I was going to get this line in there. Like, there's been a lot of like major league um, teams and owners and specific people in baseball showing their ass like in the last like month or so, or the last this whole year really. Um, and then there's then there's the opposite the the people who are like who are you know beacons of hope and what you want in in um, in the majors. And David Price is one of them. Um, <clears throat> He, so he pledged a few months back um, to pay every single Dodgers minor leaguer. I, I haven't seen the total number. I, I've heard reports that it's around two hundred, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Every Dodgers minor leaguer, one thousand dollars in June. And so, just step back for a moment. That 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 he has to do that. It doesn't. He doesn't have to. He chose to do that. But that that it's a thing that needs to happen is like as, as big of indictment on baseball that, that there is, like that they don't like actually take care of their minor leaguers by paying a living wage um, for their actual, you know, uh, labor in the sport. Um, you would think that even if you think of this as in a business sense, um, that if you're able to like create condi working conditions that can improve your players and like if it adds like one extra major leaguer every couple years – like that investment will more than pay off like uh, down the road and what you'll get in like, you know, major league value and all that. But like from a human standpoint, also take care of your employees and like, you know, treat people well. And uh, David Price stepped up. He, he was on Ross Stripling's podcast and how he described it was, I just want to help take care of the next generation of baseball. They were giving him credit because also like David Price has yet to play for the Dodgers. Uh, he just got here and he's like, mm -hmm. you know what? I'm going to. I'm going to take care of these minor leaguers. And he had another quote that sort of was really great. He said, Major League Baseball is trying to take care of Major League Baseball right now, and Minor League Baseball is kind of an afterthought, and that hurts my heart. 
So I was like, okay, that's that's really good. Um, we talked about some of the like the reasons why David Price stands out. Um, so uh, earlier, like in March, maybe early April, MLB like um, made all teams pledge to like pay their uh, minor league players a stipend of four hundred dollars a month um, through the end of May. Because at the time they're like, we don't know what's going on with the season, but we're going to sort of take care of them now, and that's generally fine. For some of the very low minors, that's actually higher than what their salary is, which again, shameful, but it's something. And then it, it took a long time for like teams to like decide what to do uh, after May, and like it, it got to the point where the A's were like, you know what, nah, we're not, we're not. They even sent letters like, hey, sorry, uh, we're not going to pay anybody. They got such shit for that that they actually went back on it. Uh, and uh, after public shaming, and then they are going to pay their team, their minor leaguers, through the end of the season, actually, the $400 a week. So, you know, that that was good to see that public shaming work. The Nationals sort of did a, an even, like, um, it's not worse, but it's like, it's almost just more pathetic. They they were going to cut the pay from 400 to $300 a week. And, uh and then the the national a lot of the nationals major leaguers are like what the fuck and like immediately like when that was announced they got together via zoom and said we'll pick up the slack and they tweeted it out and then the nats owners public shaming they said you know what we're going to pay our player players to the end of the year so that works the angels furloughed a bunch of their scout like all their area scouts before the draft they did the same uh, right after the draft to their national cross checkers so again not taking care of employees just absolute horrid um just humanity really um hundreds of minor leaguers in the sport were released in the last week of uh, may um part of that was transactions transactions have been frozen since march some of these players some of them would have gotten probably released at the end of spring training it doesn't excuse it but like baseball america sort of did a study on this and like even if you add up the normal amount of like minor league players released uh, through like the first couple months of the season this season was like way more than usual and the reason for that is there's probably not going to be a minor league season and they're just they uh, like literally hundreds of minor league players got released so it was terrible Dayton Moore uh, a team that's standing out um, the Royals uh, general manager he had an awesome quote um, he said look they have as much opportunity to influence the growth of our game as those individuals who played uh, for a long time because those individuals go back to their communities and teach the game, work in academies, are JUCO coaches, college coaches, scouts, coaches in pro baseball. They're growing the game constantly because they're so passionate about it. So we felt this it was really, really important not to release one minor league player during this time, a time we really need to stand behind them. So again, Dayton Moore, bravo. Um, and like as an again, an ancillary like business benefit. So we're going to talk about the major league draft uh, next week. Uh, where there's just too much stuff going on this week to get into it. But part of it, because it was only five rounds, um, undrafted free agents, nor a lot of normally uh, players who probably would have been picked, they can only sign for a maximum of 20000 So it really sort of limits what teams can to, can bring in. And the type of players, are, a lot of them are just going to go back to school because that's not a lot of money. But the ones that are going to sign, it's like a recruiting process because no one can offer more than twenty grand. So you're just going to pick the best team. And a team like the Royals... Um, 
you know, who haven't been very good uh, since winning, they won the World Series. Obviously, went to two World Series in a row, but like the last few years haven't been very good. But they actually have a like a general manager and ownership group who care. Like you see that, and it's paying off. They actually so Baseball America was tracking this. The first day was Sunday for the undrafted free agents, and um, as of Monday morning, maybe afternoon, nine players that were ranked in the uh, Baseball America top five hundred prospects before the draft were were signed as undrafted free agents, and five of those uh, went to the Royals. So like they're getting like a lot of the better like of these type of players. A lot of it because like. Um, their actions so like that's great um like i said and we'll, we'll talk about this next week but that's sort of uh i think we're i think we're caught up uh until the the fun super fun labor part of this well should we move on to that super fun labor part yeah i just need to take a breath and, and, and <laughs> gather Try my to furious anger lower your know. rage a little bit maybe yeah we are Anything. already explicit so you don't have to worry about I, that. I, I, I'm addicted to Rageahol, as Homer once <laughs> said. Um, so, the, okay, so I, in planning this podcast, the, the general gist is I'll usually write out a brief outline on Sunday, and we record Monday. We ended up moving it to Tuesday this week, but so I had it sort of planned out yesterday, and and then it was before all this happened where it got worse and the original sort of uh idea for the podcast is so we're gonna have a season huh (laughs) and then like and like everything is thrown to hell right now so just sort of again catching up a little bit just to get to the point um we talked about back and forth offers between the owners and the players essentially the owners offers all three of their offers to the players were roughly the same they're all some sort of like um uh, a season, I believe they offered, it was 82 games, 76 games, and 72 games. All of them had like uh, salary reductions in addition to the, the prorated pay that the players were going to receive. So they didn't want to pay the 100% of prorate. It's always weird to say it like this because it doesn't really work. It doesn't make sense. But the owners don't want to pay the full daily rate for players, basically. And, like, if you look at, like, the total money, there's some variance, but, like, total guaranteed money, those three offers were roughly the same. And, meanwhile, the players, their two offers were um, 114 games, and then they offered, oh, man, I should have this for me, 89, I believe. Yeah, 89. Yeah, so, and at full pay. So, they also offered in um, extra round of playoff, uh, uh, up to 16 playoff teams, so that's extra revenue, et cetera. So it, there's been one side that's been like moving in this and it's not the owners, it's the players. <laughs> so like I will give this like the last the last like 10 or 15 years of like labor uh, negotiations have been largely like ownership wins. I don't I don't like generally like to classify not just negotiation uh, but yeah. just like the, the the value of baseball teams, the value of sports oh, right. teams have just skyrocketed. And they like they've systematically like capped pay like just about everywhere. Like they they got a, a harder cap uh, on international signings. The draft is capped. Um, they're like uh, we've seen the last couple of years. It's been a little tepid on the free agent market. Some of the bigger names have signed, but this winter also is going to be a bloodbath there. So it's harder and harder for players to get paid. So that said, like. It, it was sort of refreshing because like MLB to actually like come up with this sort of tactic and in a, and it looks like it, it could be a, 
well, who knows? It could be a winning tactic, sort of. Uh, over the weekend, the players said they realized because the owners, um, also the owners in their back pocket, they, they refer back to the March 26th agreement, which is the thing that gives the players the right to prorated pay. That's what they agreed to. And it also gives the owners the right to implement the schedule, whatever they see fit. So this whole time, Manfred's been saying, Rob Manfred, um, you know, not a, not a specific offer, but like, look, we could just in- implement a 50-game season. It, it, I've seen d- different reports, 48 games, 50 games, 54, 52, something like that. Something really short, roughly a third of the season. And in total pay, if you pay like 50 games at prorated pay, full prorated pay, that's roughly the same of what the other owners' offers were. And so the players realized they were negotiating against themselves. So on Saturday they said, you know what, there's no point in doing this anymore. Just, we want to play, just tell us when and where. Just set the schedule. And then, so it's like, oh, okay. And so they gave a Monday deadline. That's what we were, we were going to record like right of that. And then Manfred is on a... Uh, ESPN thing with a bunch of other sports commissioners. It was like a two-hour town hall type thing, and it was called the Return to Sports, uh, which is hilarious because what Manfred said. Oh, uh, I've also said this last last week, right before the draft. Uh, they two different interviews, um, MLB Network and ESPN, because they were both televising the draft. They both interviewed Manfred, and he his quote was. Um, we're going to play baseball in 2020 100%. If it has to be under the March 26th agreement, if we get to that point in the calendar, so be it. But one way or the other, we're playing Major League Baseball. So I think why the players' move was so brilliant is that it exposed the owner's plan all along, which was to sort of string this along until there's not enough time in the negotiations. And they say, you know what? We really only have time for these like 50 games. Right now you could get like 70 games in or 65 or something. And so the players are like, you know what? Do your schedule. And like, um, so Manfred on this ESPN thing last night said, you know, the owner, the owners are hundred percent committed to getting baseball back on the field, which is bullshit. Um, and that Manfred <laughs> didn't say that. I said that. And then Manfred said, unfortunately, I can't tell you that I'm hundred percent certain that's going to happen. So in concurrence with that, um, the, uh, MLB, uh, the deputy commissioner, Dan Halem, sent a letter to the players and um, basically saying, we're not going to implement a schedule unless you sign an agreement to waive your right to a grievance. Because basically the players are going to be like, we're going to file a grievance. We're going to win like a billion dollars, like a literal billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And the owners are like, no, we don't want to do that. So, <laughs> and now... Um, and then to top this all off, um, the and then MLB leaked um, last night after like I don't want to say not caring because that's not right, but like uh, last week Manfred was like we're really close on health and safety protocols and like um, Bradford William Davis in the New York Daily News last week he reported like as of like June second I believe. He called 28 different um, city and county health officials in various major league cities. Only five of them had like received any sort of uh, documentation from Major League Baseball, knowing that even then it was only a draft. But like that was what the whole point was like to get everyone to sort of look at and figure out what what to do. And like so, MLB was like really sort of lagging on this. And then all of a sudden, last night um, when stuff's going bad, 
part of the letter to the players union said, oh, uh, we don't, we're not sure if we can do a season because there's been a, a number of players and, and um, um, front office people who have tested positive for COVID-19. So like they're leaking that because to, uh, it's basically another delay tactic. Um, so the players union put out a statement yesterday saying um, the players are disgusted. And Tony Clark said uh, this latest threat is just one more indication that major league baseball has been negotiating in bad faith since the beginning. This has always been about ex- extracting additional pay cuts from the players. And this is just another day, another bad faith tactic in their ongoing campaign. So what you have now is like this sort of stare down, like it, baseball has not been more up in the air than it is right now. Like I, I don't really feel confident saying that there's going to be a season and it's, it's infuriating. It's, it'd be one thing if it was actually like for health reasons, you know, like, look, there, there's a lot of like, uh, safety things that are, that are going on and it could just not be safe enough to play. That's understandable. Uh, given what like the players have said mostly like we want to play they don't want to do like bubble stuff where like they're away from their families but generally i would say the players want to play and are willing to accept some level of risk but to to have it like just not happen because of money is just infuriating and there's also rumors that like between like six and eight or possibly even more owners like just don't want to play this year and like those owners shouldn't own baseball teams like they (laughs) they they they, to to like borrow a phrase from jay jaffe they they should be put on a rocket ship to the sun and uh they're terrible that's terrible for baseball and so like it's an angry time right now like look they could still like come back and figure something out this week so the one um sort of thing is if mlb implements a schedule it wouldn't be like with added playoffs so there could be a thing where they might still be able to figure something out there um like if mlb offered like an acceptable schedule a length and then maybe worked in playoffs to get extra revenue maybe the players would be amenable to that we'll see but like i would imagine we'll find a resolution one way or the other in the next week or two but we've been seeing that for a while so i'm not really holding anyone to that it's just been it's been really frustrating and like it's been a little refreshing to see um i like twitter's a bubble so i I can't say this for sure but there's been a lot more people like in my opinion rightly uh blaming the owners for this than the players and that's usually not the case they can sort of see through what the owners are pulling and uh it's terrible the owners don't want to play baseball the players do that's very simplistic but that's basically where we're at right now good summation you and yeah. I were joking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, if you were noticing how more play, like, whereas, and there's, there's obviously still a lot of people who are doing uh, either, uh, uh, your millionaires just play the game, or uh, both sides are to blame. But I, I, like you, am noticing way, way more people just saying screw the owners, um, and a lot of people just converting to Marxism, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Seize the means of production. Grab the stadiums, just play some baseball. Cut, yeah, cut this them is out. this is this has been an illuminating few weeks for both. Like <clears throat> seeing like what like just craven jerks some of the owners are, or they can be. You know, just uh, just devoid of common sense and just 
just pure greed, but also like uh, going back to like the the real life stuff. I've paid more attention to like police budgets than I had the last two weeks than I have in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's it's insane and like really eye opening. Uh, yeah, so it's it's an interesting time right now. It's a, it's I have a some good trivia time. for you, by the way. Yeah, it's it's and it's a good in both <clears throat> both cases. Obviously, one more important than the other to try and uh, affect the change. Now that we're uh, unfortunately slowly, but figuring out uh, just how screwed up some of this stuff is. I agree. Trivia. I think yeah. I have a lot of stuff for you. I have two questions right now, and Whoa. then one later. So the first, it's it's less uh, of a question. So Zach Wheat. Uh, yeah. writing, I'm writing about the 1920 Dodgers this year, recapping them week by week. He comes up a lot. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's pretty um, good. He hit 131 home runs with the Dodgers. I will tell you, he became the Dodgers' all-time home run leader in uh, 1916. I believe it was late in the year. I, didn't, I don't have the exact date. Um, my question to you is, how many years did Zach Wheat hold that title? All-time Dodger home run leader. 131 home runs. Okay. And he, he took that in 1916, you said? 1916, yeah. And then we we can answer both of these after the break. But uh, my other question is uh, another sort of famed uh, Dodger group, none of whom are in the Hall of Fame, but the Dodgers infield of uh, Steve Garvey, Davey Lopes, Bill Russell, and Ron Say. They played together uh, for a record uh, eight and a half seasons together. I went through over the weekend just on a lark. Uh, I was going to do like actual defensive innings together, but that is way too much work, so I didn't <laughs> do it. But, okay, so their first game together in the infield, which is why this sort of reminded me, was June 13, 1973. Their first start was June 23rd, so it's coming up, 1973. And then they played through the 1981 season. In the eight and a half seasons together, how many regular season games did all four start together? We'll have that after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. During the break, you just uh, offered me hints on these trivia questions. And I feel like the I, I appreciate hints when we're talking, you know, before I was born, Dodgers baseball. Uh, and I have to, like, name a player or something. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate it here. Here, I've just got numbers. I can make stupid guesses. I, I know right. numbers. So And, and it, it's almost... They're almost logic questions in a way. Like so. Like, no, I like these a lot, yeah. especially about the older, especially around playing time, because there's this interesting t- tension of baseball players get hurt or they take need breaks or whatever. But also, 
you know, before really mo- current modern baseball, players just played more often, and you know, you you yeah. stuck it out. So trying to balance that, I think I took. I have no idea if I took a conservative approach or not. I, f- I want to say I did, but so I'm going to go. Uh, let's go with uh, home runs first. Um, mm-hmm. I think he held that record for 38 years. Ooh, that that's a great guess. Uh, I will tell you, you are over. Um, okay. I w- the only uh, I was surprised by this because so <clears throat> when he got the record, I. I forget what the exact number was. I think it was like 45 home runs to get <laughs> to set the record. And then he ended with 131. He held the record until, uh, I don't, again, don't have the exact date, but very late in the 1942 season. Oh, so okay. 26 years. But even then, that's a long time. And uh, like, who, who uh, took it? Dolph Camilli, previous Dodgers Rewind subject mm-hmm. on this and, and former Dodger MVP. He only, uh, I believe, uh, did it in five seasons with the Dodgers. Wow. But w- again, a more modern-ish sure. era. No, I, but like, yeah. still, I was, I was actually kind of shocked. Uh, there was one, I believe, Babe Herman was really coming strong at some point. That would have been he, who I get would have guessed. By the way, if if it wasn't uh, a classic sort of fifties era. Boy, oh, yeah. Boy of Summer, I would guess maybe Babe Herman ended, but so he he got to like one eleven, I believe, okay. and then and then I think he was either traded or just stopped. And then uh, I almost wish yeah, it so, was, and wish you would have made me guess so I could have gotten an old question right for once in my life. The hint I was going to give you, uh, I won't give it to you, but this, it was regarding the infield one, and it's more of a playing time thing. All right, I, so I, I would have I, I would have, have offered you the total number of games played if you wanted it nope i'm good i have my number you ready for it yeah 955 955 that's like a really solid guess i so they um the the you mentioned how like difficult this is right like again they played a lot more back then but also we're talking four people yes so like you could have a bunch of games with three starting and then but nope, like you know, if you don't have four, it doesn't count. So the total is eight hundred and ten. Okay, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll uh, take. And, I'll take my and like I went into it, I, I had no idea what to expect, and I um, it's out of thirteen hundred thirty six games, mm-hmm. starting with the first game they started, and so it's just over sixty percent. That's, uh, that's great because I did, um, uh, I I entered point six and then lowered it, so I think I, I must have gotten like uh, at what constituted a half a season run. Yeah, I th- that's probably true. And then so 1970, well, in 1974 they played 120 together, which mm-hmm. was great. That that was the year they had their longest streak, 34 straight games, uh, all starting. Um, and then 1978 was their most. They played 130, and then the next year they played 128. Um, and then yeah, there were a couple years like Bill Russell had a long injury one year, Davy Lopes had a long one one year, and like it just really eats into it. But uh, like I really had no idea going into it. maybe I I don't know if I expected more but like that like a couple times like oh that seems kind of low but then like oh okay that makes sense mm-hmm. so yeah well yeah speaking of Dodgers rewind you have one for us oh yeah I almost forgot <laughs> I was like I was almost <laughs> ready to go ah, that's into the show <laughs> yeah it's been like, it's been a long time since we recorded um okay so speaking of uh, those 1970s Dodgers um, Gail Hopkins is today's Dodgers rewind. Who's Gail Hopkins, you say? I don't know. No. <laughs> we're, we're watching the uh, 1974 World Series Game 1. We're, we're like, we do these watch parties like three times a week. 
uh, one of the one of the days has been sort of dedicated to the whole 1988 run, and we're already on, I believe, Game Four of the World Series is coming up, so we're almost out. And then I've been filling in the other two with like just random stuff that I could find full games of on YouTube. And man, sometimes we're scraping the bottom of the barrel. We've done like random regular season games. I ha- I even picked a few World Series game losses just because they're full broadcast and they're still fun. And I picked this game because this is a game where Joe Ferguson um, uh, made the great throw home uh, in the uh, eighth inning. Uh, yeah, eighth inning. And um, <laughs> so... At some point late in the game, Kurt Gowdy, who was um, calling the game along with Vince Scully, um, he mentioned pinch, available pinch hitters for the Dodgers. Joshua, who is Vaughn Joshua, Crawford, Willie Crawford. I know these players. Like, you know, heard of them. Uh, and then Hopkins. <laughs> like, what? Like, uh, who's Hopkins? So I looked it up. Literally never heard of this man. He played seven seasons in the majors. He had a 103 OPS plus. He was a corner man, lefty hitter, righty thrower. Um, his He was like a semi-regular with the White Sox and Royals for like a three-year stint, 69 to 71. 74 ended up being his last season. He was the first player from Pepperdine to reach the majors. He did so in 1968. In 1974, he was released by the Royals in spring training, or just before spring training, I guess. He signed a minors deal with the Padres, and he was in AAA Hawaii. At some point in July, uh, the Dodgers uh, purchased him from the Padres and then brought him up. But he barely played for two and a half months. He was like uh, almost exclusively pinch hitting. His first 14 games were pinch hit appearances. He filled in a couple innings at catcher and first base um, in, a, in like a couple of those games. And then after like everything was clinched, he started the final game of the season at first base. And he also played catcher in that game. He was 4 for 18, uh, all singles, and he also walked three times. He was active on the postseason roster, as mentioned in the World Series broadcast, but he didn't even play. Uh, He later, after 74, he went over to Japan, and he hit 69 home runs in three seasons there, including 33 in 1975. But my favorite little note here, uh, baseball reference says he's believed to be. Pepperdine says definitively that he's the only major leaguer with both a medical degree and a PhD. Um, Move over John Hopkins. I've got a real doctor for you. Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't even pluralize it. (laughs) Um, So uh, Hopkins became an orthopedic surgeon, and both his son and daughter are also doctors. So this guy is a doctor factory. Uh, He was quoted in Pepperdine magazine, in an article titled Dr. Baseball, which is just wonderful in 2010, <laughs> uh, I see medicine as a way of serving and helping people, and so is baseball. It's great hitting home runs, but baseball was my job, not my life. Where I keep score is with my family, God, my work with the schools. That's where I get my joy. The rest is just stuff. So that's beautiful. Gail Hopkins, we salute you. Uh, I'm sad that I never heard of you before this, but I'm glad I heard of you now. Now... That brings us into another yeah, trivia question. This is one I, I Yeah, these are the number <laughs> the number ones. Um, Gail Hopkins, twenty one plate appearances with the Dodgers with no RBIs. Which non pitcher had the most plate appearances with the Dodgers with no runs batted in? I don't know. So I, I'd like to know. I did come up with a good guess, and I double checked yeah. my work. I did have uh, Rocky Gale as a guess uh, with huh. with seventeen plate appearances without a run bad at end so i was happy with that but clearly it's more than 21 so i i don't know 
So I will tell you, the person has this is also tied with the the pitcher who has the most, who is Luke Prokopek, uh, who was also the, the the pitcher who was part of the um, closer battle in spring training two thousand two, lost the battle to Eric Gagne. Oh. Um, so uh, forty nine plate appearances for Luke Prokopek, also a catcher named Gil Reyes, um, another like Gail Hopkins, like World Series ish adjacent guy. So 1988, he was not active, but he was like um, hanging around Gil Reyes. He was only 24. He was like a decent prospect. He had some, you know, cups of coffee with the Dodgers for a, a while. But um, so Mike Sosha got hurt, and then Rick Dempsey caught, I believe, game five, maybe game four. I don't remember offhand. But like, I think the the story was had the series gone back to Los Angeles. They were our, they were gonna um, take Sosha off the roster and activate Gil Reyes as an emergency backup. So like he almost got activated, but then of course the Dodgers just threw a wrench into the plan and just won the series in five. So ruining Gil Gil Reyes's chance to get uh, 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 to be to be active on that roster. But yeah, so that, that's the guy. Forty nine plate appearances. He was six for forty six as a Dodger. One thirty. <laughs> so three fifty eight OPS. Tough. Tough breaks. Yep. Is it, yeah, oh. Rocky Gale's a good guess, though. Yeah, and I had the, I had the Gale connection there, so I was, I was really Whoa. hoping really hoping for that. Uh, if you add the two, they're getting up there for, for the record. <laughs> uh, before we did the Dodgers Rewind, I, I joked that uh, we will just finish the show after the trivia and forgotten it. Do you know how mad Craig would be if we didn't do questions? He's, oh, he has okay. emailed us every week with questions because we keep forgetting to tell him it, yeah <laughs> it, it, it was my fault uh for not i for i usually like either text him or email him and i forgot to mention we weren't doing recording memorial day i'm like hey we're, we just so you know we skipped a week and then like last week we're like you know we don't podcast this week doesn't write and then craig said i was like oh man like i forgot <laughs> <laughs> and then so like he after all, he's like okay are you guys doing it this week right yeah and then he sent, sent it in so. so we we've we've got them and it's time for with jeans and craig we, we love, love it man, making me make my sh- <laughs> time timey notes off Check, I, I think it's it's almost funnier if it's just way off. Right? <laughs> well, you know, we do have an editor, and he can make it sound right. But you did it while I was writing my show notes. But we have five questions from our friend Craig. Uh, some of these have been in the, the Baker. I was reading them. I'm like, didn't I answer this last week? Oh, right. <laughs> uh, so uh, here we go. What random thing have you learned during our stay-at-home time? For me, I've learned even a four-year-old car needs to be started a few weeks, a, t- a few times a week, to avoid having to jumpstart the battery. So, uh, about the car thing, like I, I realized that a couple years ago, and it, I don't know why I didn't realize it before that, or maybe just because I didn't need to, because I, I normally started the car. But um, a couple years ago, yeah, like there was a period where I was home a lot, and, um, and then it just didn't start. Uh, for a while, I was like, "Oh man, like, all right." So, but yeah, I, I was trying to think of this. I can't think. I mean, I've cooked more, but I haven't like learned a new skill. You know, yeah. like I, I'm having a hard time with that one. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know. Like, it's probably just just trying new things, cooking, and we've talked about that before. Yeah, 
but like a uh, new skill i don't i don't think so uh no new well <laughs> uh i've been or new trick or whatever i've been getting to do a lot of uh prep for being uh parenting so that's probably it the the mo- mantra I've been going to is I feel as pre- mostly because of the stay home time as prepared as one can be and not prepared at all. So yeah, yeah, is a, which is a, a weird feeling. Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale each gave up at least one home run to the same <laughs> six players on the five hundred home run club. Eric, can you name them? Man, there's a bonus question after this, but I'm going to let you handle that first. Okay, so. I didn't think of this beforehand, but just off the bat, I have to say Hank Aaron and Willie Mays. Yep, yep. Um, so, uh, Frank Robinson. Yep. Um, so far, you've gotten them in the order Craig has given me. So, oh, okay. You gotta uh, keep so, that up. I, <laughs> um, so the okay. Oh, uh, so National League, um, Ernie Banks. You're out of order, but that is a correct correct one. So I have only two more, right? Is that right? Uh, that's correct. Okay. So this is where it gets a little tricky for me. Um, I want to say because he started in 1959, so I will say Willie McCovey. Yep. Um. And then I'm really having a hard time with that, like the sixth one. So you have like you know, Mantle is in the American League. Um, oh man, uh, so forever you know, the Willie Mays was third for a long time, and then like there was nobody. So you have like you know Robinson's up there, Reggie Jackson's too young. Uh, Harmon Killebrew was in the American League. Um, oh, Eddie Matthews. There you go. Six for six. Nice. Well okay. done. And the bonus question is, if I can find it, has Clayton Kershaw given up a home run to a 500 home run club member? If so, uh, name them. Um, okay. So most... Oh, man. So he... He was teammates with Manny. Um, I don't recall Kershaw ever like giving up a home run to Ortiz. Um, like Tome would be a, a sort of thought, but he, I don't know if he pitched to him uh, or like gave up a home run to him. So I'm just trying to think. I'll give uh, you a hint while you think about it. He okay. has faced two members of the 500 home run club. All right. And so this is bad. Like, I, I always, I'm, I am astonishingly bad. Oh, who holds? So that is one of the persons he's faced. But I'll get, Kershaw has not given up. Oh, he's not given up. Who else has Pujols. hit uh, Kershaw very well? Um, 382, 488, 529, but never yeah. gave up a home run. Amazing. And okay. then the other is Gary Sheffield, who is 0 for ah. 2 against, against Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. So, okay, so he has not given up a home run to any 500 home mm-hmm. club. Nice, all right. Feather in his cap. He needed one. Yeah. I had more time to go down the 500 home run club rabbit hole in the last few weeks <laughs> because we weren't recording. <laughs> uh, so here is another question for Eric. The three oldest ballparks currently used in the majors are Fenway Park, 
Wrigley Field and Dodger Stadium. There is one member of the 500 Home Run Club who has played when all three ballparks were active and only hit a regular season home run in one of the ballparks. Can you name the player? Oh, okay. So, man, I read that wrong. Uh, he's, he's only hit a home run in one of those. Yep. And was there – okay. So, in my head, I was thinking Musial because he's National League, so he would have uh, – for some reason, I was thinking maybe the Boston Braves played at Fenway, uh, and so he hit in all three. I, I didn't get the only only hit a, in, in one. So, uh, I would say – ooh. Um, I'm trying to – Find I have oh, I, I have I, he, Craig emailed me, but I'm trying to figure out which one of these is actually the answer. Okay, so and, and you it, like almost have to eliminate Ernie Banks because it's almost certain he hit home runs at Dodger Stadium. Um, so I want to say it's it has to be like a and so like Ted Williams retired before dodger stadium exists oh so yeah I, i'll go with my original guess that yeah yeah maybe maybe i twisted my own logic but stan usual if i am reading this answer correctly the answer is reggie jackson okay uh who did not hit a home run or play a regular season game at dodger stadium but he did he hit did six it. of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> and world series appearances so there you go wow nice jacob which old form of media will your upcoming child see slash hear first? DVD, CD, tape, uh, vinyl. Um, so they'll probably see CDs first uh, in that. They'll physically see that I own CDs because I have about two dozen that I've kept mm-hmm. for sentimental reasons. Uh, but I've largely sold off, I think, all of my blu-rays and dvds i might still have another dvd or blu-ray for sentimental reasons i've sold all my cds except for that 24 and that that was a lot of them um but i still have and i but i do have and if i could would listen to vinyl on occasion because i enjoy that sort of aesthetic feeling uh but my record player broke uh in the move here whatever it was seven eight years ago and i just have never I want to, when I buy a new one, I kind of want to buy a vintage one. I want to buy a used one, and I've just never have found the right timing for that. So, the first media that they will consume like that, I think, will be vinyl, uh, just because I don't have like a CD player, or a Blu-ray player, or anything like that. So, so yeah, so it might be when, a CD. And- actually, uh, we do have a CD player still in our car. Uh, mm-hmm. So, if like my phone ever dies and I don't have a charger, we do have like five backup cds in the car so that so that might happen so at some point uh the little birch is gonna hear you know to the extreme by vanilla ice uh, that you clearly have on cd clearly that would be if i had so we've we've talked about this before but the the two tapes i can remember clearly owning and playing were a new kids on the block tape and a and a white snake, one spitting toy shot. Oh so, man! So That's awesome. if I still own those, yeah, I would I would find the tape player and play one spitting toy shot. That's amazing. Continuing the salty snack theme, here's the food question. <laughs> I was never a fan of flaming hot Cheetos, but I have friends who love them. What would you choose between any of cheese puff snack, Funyuns, or Paleo favorite pork rinds? 
I don't like so, any of these. <laughs> I'm going to get in front of this. I'm, uh, as a resident fat guy, I like all of them. <laughs> uh, so if I was just having this conversation last night with somebody, actually. <laughs> Specifically? Uh, no, like, no, 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 no. Uh, the Cheeto part <laughs> okay. is, um, like, uh, I vacillate between crunchy versus puff. Mm. Now, the, the problem with the puff is they're messier. You get a more cheese grossness on your finger, which honestly should be a disqualifying thing for anything you're eating. But like still, like they're good. Uh, but then I, sometimes I like the crunchiness of the crunchy Cheetos. So now I prefer not necessarily the flaming Hot just because I don't like that, that actual flavor. The heat is bad. But like um, that they have like a jalapeno uh, Cheeto that's a little better flavor-wise. Um, Funyuns are an old favorite. I don't mind those. They're my probably my least favorite of these three. Um, and pork rinds are pretty classic too. But if I had to just choose one, it's probably it's probably Cheetos, and I think probably the most often is Puffs. Yeah. But like, I'll, I'll go either one on those on Cheetos. I used to as a kid, I loved Cheetos, and there was just at some point when I was, I you know, in high school, I think where the artificialness, like, and I, I, I ate a lot of artificial foods back then. So for it to break this mold where I'm like, this just doesn't taste right. Um, clearly was, was an effect. Uh, I have never liked the puffy versions though. If I ate Cheetos when I did as a kid, it was always the crunchy kind. Um, and I've never liked Funyuns. Uh, so for me, it would be pork rinds. I do enjoy a pork rind now and then, but they're certainly near the bottom of my list of, if I go to a, you know, a, quick trip or something and i want a salty snack uh not going to be near the top of my list i have to find uh, a tweet i did a couple months back when i went to 7-eleven they had uh 7-eleven brand funyuns but like i think i, and I don't remember i think they were called fun yums or it was either fun yums or yum yums or something like really bad and I was so offended by it. And like, <laughs> and like, it's just Funyuns, but like, I actually went back and bought some just so I could taste them, and they were terrible. I was happy that they were terrible because I didn't like the name. And like, uh, so yeah, so like, I don't know. Funyuns are, they're more nostalgic than anything, but uh, now I want to go actually buy some Cheetos. <laughs> so this is this, I'm glad we recorded this. So yeah, glad to be back. Uh, probably recording again next week we, we probably won't wait four weeks uh between our uh, our next podcast but you never know there. maybe we'll have baseball stuff to talk about we'll probably talk about the draft next week but uh thanks for listening everybody uh we'll talk to you later